Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I'm privileged to have a very, very senior journalist, Ekta Kapoor, with me. Ekta, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Ekta is... Uh, the founder of Ishi magazine. She's a lifestyle journalist and a magazine editor. She's worked in print and online media. And uh, Ekta has been a mentor for the Do Schools Industry Disruptor 2020 Bootcamp by We Empower Asia, an initiative of UN Women in India and Europe. And also for the Niti Ayog UNDP Investor Consortium for Women Entrepreneurs 2020. Her magazine Ishi is hosting an Indo-Pak Peace Summit led by women on 16th and 17th of January, which is two, three days from now. It is a virtual summit being mentored by UK peace activists and three-time Nobel Peace Prize nominee, uh, Silla Elworthy. So before I come to the Indo-Pak Summit, Ekta, tell me, what would you say are three key milestones in your career or your life? So uh, for me, the first uh, would be the advent of the internet. And this is something that I really feel very passionately about that uh, the internet is going to be the tool of women's empowerment in this century. Uh, for me, that was the year 2000 or maybe 2001 when the internet came into our homes. Uh, that was the time that I was able to move from my existence as a homemaker mm. and I was able to put my writing out there and I was able to be noticed uh, and that's how my writing career and my career in the media actually started. Correct. So for me, that would be the first. Um, the second was that uh, I got my first media job when I was uh, 30 years, 31 years old. And uh, that was at Marie Claire India. It was launching in India at that time. And I was part of the launch team. Mm -hmm. And that really, really changed uh, everything for me. It was a, a beautiful experience uh, traveling the world, being on my own, being independent, interacting with international uh, professionals. Uh, so coming from my background, I had been a, a homemaker for 10 years before that. So for me, that switch uh, to this globetrotting executive right. was uh, quite a huge uh, change. Right. Um, and the third, of course, would be launching Ishi, which happened uh, three and a half years ago in July 2017. <clears throat> it's been an exciting and a very spiritual journey for me wow. uh, because I challenge myself at every point. Mm. And uh, there is a question mark uh, but uh, as things progress, I think the questions are fewer and the surrender and the process is becoming faster and the, the rate of growth is, uh, it's, it, it's changed now. So that has been a huge, a huge step for me. Amazing. Let's talk about your most uh, important project right now, which is your, the Indo-Pak Peace Summit. Yeah. Tell me about the summit and what, the, what, what are you doing and what do you hope to achieve? So this is uh, yet another for me, one of those uh, events and, uh, you know, that come out of a place of pure surrender. So this idea came up while I was uh, interviewing uh, Dr. Silla Elworthy for my cover, for the mm -hmm. January cover. Mm -hmm. And during the course of the interview, uh, we were talking about Indo-Pak peace and I was telling her that, you know, why is it so difficult? Mm -hmm. uh, and she said, that's, uh, you know, you can't expect the governments to do it. It'll be the people, mm -hmm. the common people at the grassroots who have to... Uh, take the step and to mm. show their interest in having peace in the first place. Correct. And the women and the youth will have to lead it. Uh, you need to have enough motivated people on both sides, young people, uh, to be able to pull this off. Mm. 
so that was how it it got triggered and i was like all right let me take this up uh so and that's why she's also uh, the chief guest at the event she's giving a talk uh and she's also on the cover of january issue and then it just grew because when i spoke to a few people they showed so much interest and they were so excited about the whole possibility so this is a non political peace summit uh, where we're going to be brainstorming on different ways to have peaceful relations between the countries whether it's through literature cinema we have a lot of uh, shared culture arts and crafts and heritage uh, how can we use these uh, you know talking points to start having uh, great conversations and to start being friendly with each other in the first place i agree uh, because as long as we stick to the politics of it it's going to be a blame game right. uh, so let's take power in our hands and say look we the common people we want peace in the region we want good business we want to have our families so we want to have good relations and Uh, so this is a first step in that direction. It's fantastic. So you know, I've been to Pakistan two times, okay. Karachi and Lahore, and I've often come yeah. back and said that it is the politicians and the religious leaders yes, yes, who are absolutely. conspiring with one another to keep the people apart. Yes, because it's in their interest. Correct. Yeah. But tell me, you know, as you've been putting together this entire program for the summit, yeah, what are some of the challenges you've been facing? uh we don't have a sponsor that's the biggest challenge okay. uh and uh, uh one of the reasons is that generally the market is low uh, as everybody knows uh, advertising is not too high these days and secondly the topic is such you know people want to stay away from indo pak uh, topics because okay. it's considered uh, you know it's a volatile subject and all that but uh, as dr sila said to me she says it takes a mighty heart to stand up for peace and right. it's only the women uh women of purpose who have really found their uh purpose in life it's them who is going to take the lead in this you know mm-hmm. and i think it's a great idea and i'm very happy to facilitate this you know really i'm just a facilitator it's fantastic well good luck good luck with that and i i'm sure it will be you know great success under your leadership thank you so let's move on uh ikdab you know uh to quote you you say when a woman realizes how worthy she is there's a light that goes on in her and that light spreads to others and their own potential help me understand this and maybe with an example uh, i think the biggest example i can give is my own life okay uh, i've been in a, a position where i didn't find myself worthy mm-hmm. where my only value was to be somebody's daughter and then to be married to somebody and then be somebody's wife and then to have children and be somebody's mother mm-hmm. so for a long phase of my life from the age of 20 to 30 really i didn't think too much of myself i thought of myself as uh, an unimportant uh, you know cog in you know in the wheel of everybody else's life and my role was to you know uh, was reflected in what i could do for them uh, versus uh, who i am and it's only uh, after my own spiritual evolution and a lot of other changes that came in my life in during that job i told you about the marie claire job uh, that really helped me realize that i am something too i am something like maybe kuch hoon you know so that realization uh, when it came in me it it was like a light going on and then a lot of other things in your life start looking a little different to you and you start questioning that why is it me who has to say sacrifice or right. why must my desires always be the last uh, you know in in everybody's scheme of things mm-hmm. so uh, when these questions start coming to you 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 make different kinds of choices and when your choices change obviously they affect everybody around you mm-hmm. and then when they affect everybody around you then it goes out like a ripple you know 
so for you know in uh, in our country the kind of women that maybe even you are interviewing on your platform we constitute maybe 0.1% of uh, the the real uh, indian womanhood mm-hmm. you know if, you know women who have access to the internet who speak in english who have uh, the facilities and the resources to be doing this uh, most of indian women cannot do that and i have been there so i understand that we are brought up with this you know this whole idea that the woman's only role is to be somebody's wife uh, to take care of his home and to be the mother of somebody's children mm-hmm. and it's a very dehumanizing concept because it reduces you to your body and the functions of your body mm-hmm. uh, and that is why the prettification and the beautification of women is so important uh, because everything is reduced to what her functions as a body as a uh, worker in the home mm-hmm. uh, or in the farm whatever it's always about the the bodily uh, you know aspects of her uh whereas uh, that's not it's not the same for men what men can do define them but what uh, women or uh, their bodies can do Correct. is what defines them and th- there are so many aspects to being uh, somebody else's property you mm. know somebody's wife because you are it's also a kind of uh, sexual uh, service that mm. you're offering you know that's the whole concept of marriage what, what are the jokes made during an indian wedding mm. uh, you know it's all about a uh, servility Mm-hmm. Uh, that the man is getting a new uh, mattress i mean there are coarse jokes you know mm-hmm. uh, so the whole concept of reducing women uh, to it, it's a very dehumanizing concept and that is why i believe that when the woman realizes that look maybe kuch hu i am something uh, everything changes her world changes her world view changes uh, and she's able to influence everybody around her and when i was able to do that even if i had to take steps that were against my family mm. or even against my children i did it because by that time i had realized that i am something too Correct. i'm more than a mother i am yeah. more than somebody's wife uh, yeah. and now they're happy about it right Wonderful. so it took them time to adjust to the idea that mom has a brain of her own uh, but now that they've adjusted to it they're happy about it and they're proud of me so uh, things work out That's when fantastic. you wake up to your light that's fantastic oh, that's I mean. more, more 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 power to you <laughs> so so ekta let's talk now about uh, ishi the magazine who is your target audience so i started out with my target audience i was my aim was always to inspire women mm-hmm. to shine their light and to live to their truest potential just like i had uh, discovered myself so that was the aim to begin with but mm-hmm. when i look at the google numbers and the analytics i i, I have a, a few more percentage of men than women so mm-hmm. uh, so i think now i feel that it's about inspirational stories of women mm-hmm. and they can inspire anybody you know they can inspire the men in their lives and they can inspire other men and i'm very happy to inspire men as well Correct. so uh, to be honest right now uh, i i'm not going to go with what my original uh, thinking was and i think it's 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 a beautiful lesson for me as well that when you start doing what what feels true to you uh, the audience could come from anywhere and it doesn't really matter you know mm. reading this very interesting so let me move to the next uh, quote from you where you said dear daughters please don't get married talk to me about this article and why you say feel this way so i've been married twice and this article was written a couple of years ago uh in which uh, you know it it was well it, the way it happened was it was it was very impulsive sort of an article that i wrote but mm-hmm. this is something that i really have come to believe that mm-hmm. uh the the institution of marriage the way it stands in india today uh or in india from the time immemorial is the uh women 
they 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 have their power reduced and they have their responsibilities increased after marriage before marriage you're a child of your parents you're pampered you're taken care of mm. the day you get married you're expected to grow up and to suddenly take care of the home and uh, there's no in between phase uh, where you're allowed to sort of uh you know get into it the same after having a child mm. you're expected to be an expert mother the, the day Correct. next day mm. but it doesn't it's not like that and women go through a lot of trauma mm. so after a lot of uh, you know understanding and interviewing thousands of women who are doing amazing things out there mm. uh you know even without having uh, the support or uh, you know quote unquote support of a man in their life mm. Mm. i realized that uh a marriage is an unnecessary uh, baggage uh, for anybody a man or a woman mm-hmm. uh, you know in the old days women needed to get married because they needed uh, economic uh, you know kind of um, depend they were economically dependent on somebody correct um, uh, but uh, now you don't need that you know we have our own way of supporting ourselves mm-hmm. we don't need some to be married to somebody to be a, to have companionship with somebody you right. can have companionship with uh, anybody you know it, it can be Uh, it can be a pet even you know so if you have a purpose in your life and you're living life you're doing something that you really want to do mm-hmm. uh, the, the the marriage tag is really unnecessary and Correct. that was the reason why i told my children even then and even now it's a, it's a, it's a family joke that you know you can have your partners but uh, come you know come to me about marriage like 15 years later when you're absolutely sure that this is the right person um because marriage changes everything you know Absolutely. it changes the the day you may be together as uh, as a girlfriend and a boyfriend for you know 10 20 years the day you get married things change you know it changes the whole equation so be very 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 sure that you want to do this and first be financially independent first find your own happiness your own purpose mm-hmm. and then let's talk about marriage mm-hmm. so that was the aim of that article correct and i guess you know carrying on from what you just mentioned is another quote from you which has men can be amazing lovers wonderful companions and they are useful for sex but you don't need to marry them to enjoy them claim your freedom respect and desires and i and i completely agree with that i mean you don't need to have marriage to demonstrate commitment yes yes your thoughts i got a lot of flack for this line and a lot of people quoted it out of context on twitter and said uh, you know how would you feel if a man said this uh, to a woman Mm-hmm. uh and then they call themselves uh, feminists or whatever whatever yeah, the comments yeah, were yeah. and uh, i didn't uh, answer because i it's not my habit to answer <laughs> because i need i've said what i need to say whether you like it or not you can uh, just close the page sure. uh but um the the question that they are saying that how would i feel if a man said this that mm-hmm. question is coming from a place of privilege mm-hmm. and it's coming from a position that is assuming that men and women are equal mm-hmm. they're not Absolutely. And when you see it in the context of this article which I'm trying to empower my daughters or mm-hmm. a generation of young women what I'm trying to tell them is your sexuality is in your hands mm-hmm. you know take your sexual power and all these for centuries and centuries women have been the sexual objects of men mm-hmm. so I'm giving them the seed of the idea well said that look you are not an object you can have your choice as well you can have your agency as well you can choose your partner and if you know if it is not satisfying you can leave that relationship you know mm-hmm. so i'm trying to give them that sense of uh, that sense of power and so that line has to actually be seen in the context of the article where i'm telling them to go for financial mm-hmm. uh, emotional you know all kinds of independence including sexual independence um and and i think you know considering that in the rest of the article i'm actually saying that 
you don't need men for anything i think men should be flattered that i'm saying that you actually need I agree. them i agree <laughs> i agree with you so, i agree so if let's move to the next uh, you know portion of our conversation which is you as an author you've written this book called 100 paths which you say is a spiritual memoir tell me about this book and what led you to write this one yeah so this book is a compilation of my uh, you know blog posts that i used to write mm-hmm. uh, in a time when i was a single mother mm-hmm. uh, and being a single mother in india itself is an experience uh, uh, is quite an experience mm-hmm. so i i i didn't have the time for anything uh, at that time except for going to work and coming home and then trying to be a mother mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it, it was a huge emotional moral spiritual uh, you know battle for me on a day to day basis because you're constantly juggling between your children your career your home your parents you know so you have all these um, you know pulls on your time and there's there's nothing like me time for a single mm-hmm. mother a working single mother yeah. uh, you know so i decided that i was on a spiritual journey i was seeking god and i was like you know if um if i can't go to the mountains and meditate and live alone uh, let me look for god wherever i am so i started looking for the little things in my day to day life mm-hmm. even if it's a fight with my children even if it's an issue in my office mm-hmm. uh, i would look for the god in it i would look for the uh, the divine inspiration that i'm going to get from this situation mm-hmm. even if it's a song a beautiful song i hear on the radio you know a a little breeze comes to me through the window you know so for me these experiences became i started collecting god you know wherever i could find uh, you know these moments of inspiration and uh, divine grace really and uh, eventually it all compiled and it it became larger and larger and i took out a few of these uh, posts and made them into the form of a book uh, so that it's in a chronological order and then it it actually ends at the point where uh you know i got into my second marriage and it it's a marriage based on choice and love uh, so it actually ends uh, on that point but of course the journey continues beyond that very interesting very interesting and you know you say that you know you've been strongly influenced by buddhism yeah. tell me about what has influenced you about buddhism so this was uh, in 2000 and you can see yeah what buddha just behind on yes my, yes absolutely yeah on my right shoulder <laughs> so i was uh, uh that's that's also very significant by the way <laughs> so i was um, not a very spiritually inclined person through my childhood i was not much influenced by uh, religion i was brought up in dubai so there was very little uh, uh, you know so religious or spiritual influence of course whatever we saw our parents do hmm. uh, but that was they were very secular sort of parents and they never really forced us in any direction and Uh, i was equally influenced by my christian friends or my muslim friends and so for me really i really didn't have a, a one particular spiritual identity at that point mm-hmm. when i was 30 years old i i got my first job in an office and uh, a lady in my office realized that i happened to be going through a lot of trouble at home uh, and she introduced me to nichiren buddhism and she gave me this chant namme ho renge kyo and she said why don't you start chanting and for me that was like the first uh, time like i was telling you when i had this realization ki maybe kuch hu mm-hmm. uh, so it was not just in terms of my career which was also coincidental it was all happening in the same year uh, for me that year was a very significant year uh, in which i realized that i am somebody you know so buddhism became um, the key at that point for me to understand that there is a soul inside me there is a life inside me that is not 
dependent or affected by hmm. my relationships that are happening outside me and this realization led to a lot of changes in the actions that i took uh, the the kind of people i attracted in my life from that point forward mm-hmm. uh, even that job that i got in marie claire i see it as a kind of a, a gift from the universe for following my heart mm-hmm. uh, and it actually gave me the courage to leave uh, a toxic marriage so for me that uh, you know that buddhism was how it began and till today it continues to be what uh, inspires me because what this path says is that we you know first work on ourselves and we look for the revolution inside ourselves the human revolution mm-hmm. and that's how we spread it uh, to the world outside so change doesn't happen by asking other people to change change happens when you change yourself and when you take power in your own hands and when you say look i can do it i can do maybe this much but let me do this much okay. you know instead of waiting for other people to make changes and mm. for the world to become a better place you know you need to become better first very interesting so that was the main realization wonderful so let's move to the last section of our conversation which is some questions for you personally i think i have time for two questions for you my first question is that you know uh, ekta you've done so much you know after you started working as you say at 30 yeah and you know you've achieved a lot and you're taking on projects which are which can be life changing or you know because things like the summit that you're doing yeah what does success mean to ekta so this has been a, a journey of discovery because uh, success you you know it, it's packaged in a certain way when you're a young person it is sold to you that success is uh, in case of a in my family or my social structure yeah. uh, the boys were told that success is getting a great job and you know becoming the ceo of a company yeah. and the women are told success is getting a right guy and then having kids and having a, a great car and a great home uh, so that's how we were conditioned and i think a lot of indian families still condition their children the same way maybe now they've also started telling the girls uh, that you know you can also have, you yeah. know success for you is also reaching the top of your company but you all still have to be a wife and a mother to somebody uh, so uh, you know so those are the kinds of uh, conditioning that we given about the word success right. uh, so what i have learned is that uh, success is what makes you want to get up in the morning and just go you know mm. and if i can have that feeling on any given day i think that's a really successful day for me uh, that i have done so much i have reached out to so many people i have made so many wonderful connections uh, or i have written something that really came out from within me mm. uh, or i have interviewed a fantastic personality and it's you know really inspired me Uh, so for me those things now for me that's like a great day that's like a hugely successful day Fantastic. and um, you know so one of the things that they also teach us in buddhism is um, the way the, the way that you live is the way that you die right mm-hmm. and i want to die feeling happy and i want to die feeling that you know i couldn't have done anything more like mm-hmm. i did it to my full capacity Correct. i did it in you know the best i could and i'm like that will be the day like you know i'm very happy to die and i decided that i'm going to do that every day so every day of my life if i am to die today i should be able to say bas ab kuch nahi raha you know i have done my best like in my in my personal life in my professional life and it's all mixed you know personal and professional are mixed so uh, for everybody i think and so i just want to do my best in every way hmm. and for me that's that's success wonderful know? what a great definition Um I have time now for just one more question and I'm going to ask you this question on failure you know as I've often said that 
Indian parents don't teach children it's okay to fail. And yeah. as you just said, everyone saying come first, uh, you yeah. know, aspire to be CEO, and yet we keep. Yeah. yeah. What are some of your learnings from yeah. some of your mistakes or failures? Yeah. So for me, uh, in terms of the definition of failure, I was a, a huge failure. I failed. I had a failed marriage. Uh, and by the way, I wrote an article about why there's no such thing as a failed marriage because Correct. it teaches you something. It teaches you so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was a, a failure at my work in the sense that I only started working when I was 30. So mm-hmm. uh, by the time I was actually even vaguely financially independent, I, it was my late 30s. Mm-hmm. So in, in the eyes of some people, I was, uh, you know, uh, I was still dependent on my parents till my Correct. late 30s. Mm-hmm. So what kind of a, you know, I was a failure in that sense. And uh, now also, if you if you measure me by traditional norms of failure, uh, my business is a bootstrap setup. I haven't sought uh, investors at even one point. You know, uh, people offered, in fact, uh, money, and I was like, you know, I, I just want to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to have a boss above me at this point. Sure. I just want to uh, have the opportunity to, to do my best the way that I can do it. Um, so I think uh, even when this concept of the summit came up and people said, you know. Uh, you know, how will you do it? Like, what if, what if it's a failure? Mm-hmm. And my answer was, let it be a failure. It will be the most spectacular failure ever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually now uh, in the stage of my life where I think failure is a great thing. Um, because if you don't try, that's the bigger failure. Mm-hmm. I don't want to look back and think, oh shit, I should have tried that, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't want to have that regret that when I had that opportunity to have that connection or that relationship or that mm-hmm. A new uh, project, you know, I don't want to think, ah, I shouldn't have let it go. Uh, so I want to uh, try everything and fail. And if, even if I have to fail, uh, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a public way or in a great way, I think uh, it doesn't, I'm not afraid anymore, you know. And, uh, and I think um, it's a great feeling to reach this point mm-hmm. where you're not afraid of failure because uh, then you're willing to take so many more risks and your life is so rich and meaningful. Uh, so uh, I think it's a great thing. I think you should embrace uh, risk and you should embrace failure and you should think, but this is something I really want to do and I want to do it right now. You know? So well I think we should just really take the bull by its horns and just go for it. Well said. Ekta, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. I wish you, the Indo-Park Peace Summit and everything else that you're doing, lots of success. Thank you so much, Ashutosh, for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.